0: Cause it's a play A destiny child You know it
1: Venom, adrenaline, momentum, venom, venom, gotta get em! And welcome to The Pick, the movie podcast where every week we pick a movie, we talk about the end of the episode. Someone else picks a movie, that's the power of The Pick, no questions asked, it's all about the rules. We are your hosts, John Otney.
0: Call Westwood.
2: And Sean Lemmy, and I did not get what you were doing.
0: I got exactly what you were doing You were doing that weird Fucking song from the credits Was that Eminem? It is! Okay, it sounded very Eminem-like And it sounded like he just sat down And he was just like, hmm, Venom Venom, what can I do with that? Could I just keep saying words With that same cadence over and over again?
2: Wow I regret fast-forwarding Through that it's yeah, like, it, it
1: pretty it's much sounds exactly song. like
0: I did it It's, you know,
1: Venom, Venom yeah. Adrenaline, venom, momentum, venom, venom, Venom Gotta get him, venom. venom I just love they're like, hey, Eminem Can you write a Venom song for our movie? And he's like, alright I'm just gonna say Venom a
0: lot I'm gonna say it in my very Eminem kind of way uh, has written in an afternoon all over it Hey, you know, it worked for Body Count <laughs> Body count. Oh. Great that story.
1: wasn't written for Universal Soldier, though, was it? I was just like, we gotta use this.
0: This I d- is like—I mean, I doubt it. It's the name of yeah. the band, not the movie.
1: Right. Like, I looked up this song, and it is on that uh, the Eminem album from around that time. But it was mm-hmm. written specifically for this movie, so they're they're like, we need a hit. Um, because this movie's got corporate fuck written all over it. <laughs> but we'll mm-hmm. get to that. We'll get to that. Of course, we're talking about Venom, as you can see from the title of this episode. Yeah, um, because there's that new one coming out, and none of us had seen this previous one, so I thought we'd all get caught up, see what's up. Yeah, and I've seen it. Yeah, uh, but first we got our little perks the where we recommend ones. other stuff. Yeah. I'll go first, and I think I'm gonna go with. A video game, which I haven't recommended in a while
2: <laughs> I like those
1: Yeah, Sean, you've probably heard of this It's on Game Pass right now It's called Superliminal
2: Oh I've never so, played that one, though
1: Superliminal, I would describe it as like a mix Between Goragoa and the Stanley Parable It's a third person Does that reference make
0: sense to you, Colin? Uh, I played Goragoa I don't know what the Stanley Parable is
1: So this is a a third person game where you're uh, at a sleep institute and you have to solve puzzles where you change the perspective of things. Like example, you're in a room, you have to figure out how to get out of it. You see like a little dollhouse in the corner. You pick up the dollhouse and then you kind of angle it in your view to where it looks big and then you drop it and it becomes big and then you walk through it. So it's it's basically like you picking up stuff and making it big or small um, to get through uh, room after room. And it's a pretty short game. I beat it in, like, a couple hours. Um, And as you're going through these rooms, there's, like, this guy, this kind of narrator guy, like, uh, talking about why you're there and walking you through this experience, walking you through your treatment. That's where, I think, the Stanley Parable comes in. Mm -hmm. Also, it kind of looks, you know, it's got that kind of look, that just third-person open space is um, uh, very very therapeutic um there's obviously a couple puzzles that i'm like fuck this i don't fucking know but for the most part uh a lot of them are not too hard and there's so many and they're uh they're quick so you just feel like you're constantly making progress so it's pretty easy to like just go from one room to the next one room to the next one puzzle to the next so i think that gives the game like a really great pace and sense of momentum um, and there's a part of it where it, like, it gets kind of scary, or like, is this a horror game? But then there's parts that are more, like, relaxing. And... It's just, it's everything I look for in an indie game experience, so. Definitely recommend Super do I don't know what know, else it's for. Do you
2: guys know about the, uh, the liminal spaces, like, aesthetic?
1: I, yeah, I think so. Can you explain uh, well, that a little bit To make yeah. sure that I know like, so, I think I know what you're talking about
2: you know, On the internet there are like People gather around Sort of like aesthetic ideas That sort of become defined In real time uh, I think like the first one of these I paid attention to was Vaporwave Where there was that like Mac Plus Music video mm-hmm. uh, that just like sampled a song And really distorted it and just looped it uh, and people are like, this is really, this is affecting me. I'm feeling this in a way that I don't normally feel music for some reason. And, and it's, it's, it's an aesthetic, so it's the visuals and, and the sound. Uh, and there are a bunch of uh, examples of this sort of thing now out there. I think cottagecore technically counts as, what, as one of those, like, aesthetics. Uh, and liminal spaces are one that I've, I really only started hearing about this year. Maybe it's been around for decades. I have no idea. But the idea is, like, these pictures of uh places that are either like abandoned or just like underused or like being photographed at a time that they like normally wouldn't be seen like an abandoned mall or like uh, a picture of a school at night or something um and for some reason uh people look at these pictures and and if they're done well uh, it, it like triggers this sort of Unsettling feeling that uh, I guess is is a a weird sort of high that people are chasing. Mm. So I've seen a lot about liminal spaces online uh, this past year for whatever reason. It's kind of I don't know. I think this sort of thing is really interesting because I can't ever explain what it is about these that triggers that feeling, but I totally get it. Like you know about thalassophobia. No. I think that's what it's called. It's the it's like the fear of uh large bodies of water. Um and th- what what people post there, they're like pictures. It's not what you think. It's like it's not like a, it's not like the like jaws poster, right? It's not like you're like in the ocean there's like a big shark coming for you. It's more just like a picture of like here's here's a really deep underwater cave and for whatever reason that like triggers this weird primal response in some people. Um, wow, uh, I love this! I love that shit. It's great.
1: Well, I got bad news for people with that phobia. If you live on Earth, that stuff's kind of everywhere. <laughs> a lot of that water stuff floating around. Yeah. But that's very interesting. And now I guess it's a game liminal. This must be you know tie into that phenomenon. Obviously, it's called super liminal. So there you go. Uh, Sean, what's your little pick? Uh,
2: yeah, mine not as uh, deep as yours. It's the uh, the final season of Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, which uh, recently wrapped up. Uh, I think, you know, a few years ago, I would have said you know, uh, network sitcoms are like one of my favorite genres uh, of entertainment, just in general. Uh, and I'm kind of sad that it seems to be dwindling away to nothing. Uh, as like the last vestiges of that from the 2010s all kind of wrap up Um, and uh, it was already a pretty tough landscape when Brooklyn Nine-Nine started I think if it didn't have the pedigree it did of uh, you know a a famous creator as well as uh, a few uh, well-known stars Uh, and the fact that it it started out like actually pretty funny unlike a lot of comedies which need to find their footing kind of through their first or maybe even to their second season uh, that even this might not have lasted, um, uh, and even with all that it had going for it, Brooklyn Nine Nine still, you know, really just hung in there for its eight seasons. It famously got canceled on Fox, and then uh, uh, fans were able to move it uh, over to NBC and bring it back for a couple more years of, uh, of not quite as good entertainment. Uh, even though uh, Chelsea Peretti left. And then going into season eight, you know, it's been a couple years since last season. The pandemic happened. Uh, Also, the like growing discomfort that was kind of in the background of the show about um, policing in America really uh, got kind of necessarily forefronted this final season after uh, everything that happened last year. I think that it would have been ridiculous for the show to not... uh, seriously grapple with what it means to be a New York police officer at this point. Um, and so, I would say season eight kind of feels off because it is very much like trying to be like here... I mean, the show has always been about here is our um, idealized version of a police precinct uh, in the same way that Parks and Rec was like in our, our idealized small local government. Um, and so, like, the the amount they have to kind of, like, twist and and grapple with policing in America uh, doesn't leave a lot of room for like fun comedy, uh,
0: <laughs> uh,
2: but I appreciate the effort, and uh, the, the show managed to have a uh, I think really great uh, final uh, like two part finale um, that uh, that left all the characters in a nice place and uh, did a lot of uh, fun callbacks. And, uh, you know, it just made me feel real giddy and happy for, you know, for 42 minutes or whatever it is, uh, without commercials. Uh, and so that was nice. And, uh, it's, it's been like years since I thought Brooklyn Nine-Nine was good enough to even be on like my top 10 shows of the year. Um, but it had a very, like I, there's probably like six good seasons out of the eight altogether. Um. And, uh, and, and there are a few moments that, that really Really cracked me up So uh, in the end I'm still going to give Brooklyn Nine-Nine My thumbs up And uh, or went out Just for the idea Of network comedies
0: <laughs> Yeah I, th- I think I stopped watching around like season three Not because it was really Going downhill I just I, I don't know I feel like it's one of those shows that a lot of people start and kind of stop after the first few seasons. For some reason, my girlfriend started watching it early on in the pandemic and also stopped watching around that time. But I believe that it was it was solid, uh, even though I didn't see all those seasons.
2: At the very least, everyone will help remember the uh, I Want It That Way uh, lineup scene. Yeah. I think is is way bigger than the show itself at this
0: point. Um, why do you, why do you think the network sitcom like comedy aesthetic doesn't translate to streaming shows as much? Um, um is it because they like don't. Feel a desire to be as formulaic because there isn't the expectation that you have to pump out a bunch of episodes.
2: I don't. I don't know if it's a always. binge-friendly format, to be honest. Um, I think most of the time when people binge a sitcom, it's it's one that's over, and so they can watch like hundreds of episodes. Uh, and a lot of the time, I think it's one they've already watched, uh, which is different from hey, we're going to put out ten episodes. And that's all you get of this show.
1: You know, it's funny yeah. that you you mentioned when it's over because I was gonna I was gonna argue. Well, what about Shits Creek? But then I remember, well, Shits Creek really didn't get popular until it was just about over. <laughs> <laughs> and what, was think, Yeah. was
2: that on CBC as well, or was that only on streaming?
1: Yeah, no, it was on CBC. Yeah, so I guess it, it wasn't a specifically for streaming. It just, you know, I guess the, it, it probably wasn't. Until it found its way to Netflix, that it became popular. It just also happened to be ending around the same time. Yeah.
2: And also, it's
1: over. Where are the sitcoms? <laughs> yeah. I wonder what's the what's like one of the more popular sitcoms that is still on TV. I wouldn't even know. Oh God. Yeah. Who knows? I don't think I could name any. How's Keenan doing? <laughs> the show didn't look very good. The trailers. I don't know I mean I have no interest in like The the, the old school like multicam uh, Sitcoms Those really feel dead except for like I guess whatever Tim Allen's mm-hmm. pumping out These days
2: <laughs> Yeah that, I guess that's the dark Side of the network sitcom Is that these like lowest Common dominator hits um, Are out there I guess like Probably Young Sheldon is I'm, I'm guessing still
1: going strong but even that's a single camera show. Like I'm talking about, like the shitty old format where they rattle off a joke, audience laughs. Like the John Mulaney show. The Connors is does well, right? That's still on.
0: Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. So weird. I don't oh, know. It just makes me sad because, like,
1: yeah, it is sad.
0: New Girl was so good, and it was like a weird like hybrid of that kind of formula where like yeah it, it took a few seasons to get good but then it was like so funny in like season five or six and you're just not gonna get that in a streaming show because people just like tune out after the first season or two and then the show gets canceled uh but oh well um speaking of a streaming show uh, my little pick is Only Murders in the Building. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about Steve Martin and mm-hmm. him coming out of his sarcophagus to host <laughs> SNL every once in a while. I don't know. Probably doesn't make any sense to whoever's listening, but do with it what you will. Because, um, uh, yeah, this star is Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez for some reason. I don't know why Selena Gomez is in there. I know Steve Martin and Martin Short liked to talk To get young people to watch. Yeah, I guess it was just like probably Steve Martin and Martin Short wanted to make a show <laughs> with limited resources during the pandemic and they were like, "Eh, let's let's get someone who's not 70 years old to play against us." Um So this is a show Mostly set in Like a giant ritzy Apartment complex In New York City Uh, Steve Martin Lives there He plays a Like Semi-retired actor who was on a hit uh, Like Cop show in the 80s And Martin Short plays a Kind of unsuccessful broadway producer uh who's just like kind of ran out of luck career wise and selena gomez is mysterious <laughs> she's just like living in her aunt's uh apartment and they're never really quite sure how she can afford it because it's super uh, a fancy place um Anyways, the plot is basically that someone commits suicide in the building one night uh, And the cops kind of deem it to be a suicide But they all think that the guy was murdered um, And some of this stems from the fact that all three of them are obsessed with the, the same true crime podcast So they start uh, recording their own true crime podcast as their like uncovering the the mystery uh tina fey even shows up in it as like a very sarah koenig-esque uh podcast host um so it's definitely steeped in in that whole true crime podcast phenomena which is not like a genre i'm that familiar with but i i appreciate that the the show clearly has some reverence for it um and it's, it's, it's just a fun little show. It's not, like, world-shattering or anything, but, you know, I appreciate that people are still trying to make new projects uh, during the pandemic. I mean, this was filmed in, like, the winter of, of last year, it seems like. Um, and also, one of the residents of the apartment complex is Sting Plague himself. And that at a certain point, he is he is a suspected murderer, but don't want to give anything away. Uh, can always count on Sting having... to play himself, just like in V movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's...
2: that's where I was going to.
0: Yeah. Well, he's like you know, kind of has some acting experience, but nobody really knows him as an actor. So I feel like he's good to get for an extended cameo.
2: God, now you've triggered. Some memory. I was watching some interview with some other celebrity, where mm-hmm. she talked about having met Sting and being like, "I was a huge fan of yours uh, in Dune," and whoever this was was like, "I have no idea." Was told by Sting that he had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> basically, didn't remember that
0: Dune. It it <laughs> Dude. Uh. I mean, yeah. He was probably on set for like a day Like,
2: Put on this diaper Get this (laughs) knife We'll grease you up
0: (laughs) Look menacing Collect your paycheck Collect your
1: paycheck A big part of the theme for today's movie Oh god Um, yes (laughs) Talking about Venom you guys I'm already
2: um, disagreeing with you guys.
1: What? <laughs> okay, okay. That's you think everyone
0: who signed up to act in this, like their heart was in it. Maybe Tom Hardy. He seems like he's trying hard. E. But, I don't know. Everyone else. I would say the
2: main three cast members are all putting in a disproportionate amount of effort compared to how hard the screenwriters worked on the script.
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: Well, we'll, we'll, I think we'll get into it as we go through the story beats. But first, got to give a little bit of background on Venom. I didn't do a lot of research, but I did a little bit of research just because I wanted to know when Venom like started and how it started. And what's interesting about Venom's origin in the comic book world is, of course, the symbiote, or symbiote, never 100% on that, (laughs) uh, was a thing even before Venom was in the comics because it first appeared in the... uh, the comic series The Secret Wars in 1984. Do you, are you guys familiar with The Secret Wars? Yes. Yeah, it was like a yeah. little Marvel run. Uh, my dad had these comics. There's like eight of them, or maybe ten, I don't remember, maybe less. But they took like uh, a bunch of Marvel superheroes and a bunch of Marvel villains and put them on a planet uh, and they just made them fight. Um, I don't remember who did it. I don't know. It's probably Galactus or some guy like Galactus. He's like, I want to see. No,
2: no. Galactus gets his ass whooped.
1: Okay. Oh, I I, whooped. I don't really remember the Secret Wars that well. But what I do remember is that this is uh, where his name it,
2: is the Beyonder, John. I'm sure you can figure of him. Uh,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> the Beyonder. Yeah. Wow. They really worked hard on that one. But anyways, uh, when they're on this planet, uh, this is when Spider-Man found the the symbiote suit. And it kind of sounds like they wanted to do this Symbiote suit just because they're like I want to give Spider-Man a new costume Let's make it this alien he gets On this planet uh, Because after the Secret Wars This was Spider-Man's the default costume In the comics for a handful of years For a while actually It's pretty slick looking Why uh, is
2: it that Spider-Man Gets so many costumes <laughs> Like I guess Batman gets a lot of costumes too But when I think about Everyone else in Marvel, they kind of have like one or two looks. Spider Man's changing up every day.
1: I would say Iron Man had quite a few iterations. Oh, sure, sure. That's a good Um, point. I don't know about Spider Man why they give him so many. Is it because all the little webs are hard to
2: draw and you just get sick of doing it?
1: Well, like, how are you going to constantly change Captain America?
0: Like, what are you going to do?
1: Give him more stripes? Yeah. Give him big old wings, apparently. Give him a cape. Maybe it's just easier to visualize a new Spider-Man costume or something. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, so they're doing this black costume, and eventually they, they decided, oh, let's make it so like the symbiote thing like wants to take over Peter Parker's body and like become one with him, and that'll be yeah. a good arc in the comics. And uh, eventually, the way he got rid of that was. Uh, I was surprised he was he was going to a church and going to a bell tower and then uh, crashing the bell and the symbiote hates the, the noise and uh, uh, got itself off of his body. But I was just surprised because they actually had that in that Spider-Man 3 movie. It's was like, yeah, that's how they – that's how he fought the symbiote in the classic uh, comedy Spider-Man 3. <laughs> God, I got to rewatch that. Is that good? Is that a good movie? Spider Man three, it
2: has really very good fight scenes.
1: Good fight scenes. Everyone likes the Sandman scene where he, you know, is the pile of sand and becomes a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a. I feel like Jay Jonah's got some funny scenes in that. Isn't there a scene where he puts on the Spider Man costume? And is that the third one? I think
2: that's in the second one because that's oh, he gets it okay. from the garbage can when Spider Man quits.
1: Okay.
0: Um
1: he's just always good when are we getting the jJ when are we getting the jonah tv show <laughs> just about the daily bugle it's everyday operations somebody make that please i would love to see that uh so then in the comics they introduce the character eddie brock and eddie brock came in during an arc where there was this villain called i think it was the sin eater and eddie brock is this journalist and there's a part where he uh claims he knows the identity of the Sin Eater, but he like, uses like shitty like sources, he doesn't actually know and then people are like, you're fucking wrong you're disgraced, and then of course Spider-Man finds out the true identity of the Sin Eater, so Eddie Brock uh, is fired, he's this shamed uh, reporter uh, and then he gets cancer I didn't know about this, so you know, then he does what anyone does when they get cancer, he's like, I'm gonna get jacked so, yeah. he gets cancer, yeah. and then he gets fucking jacked. Yeah. He's not getting cancer. The only in order. one of his sad moments of desperation, he's going to the church to, like, pray, and uh, that he runs into the symbiote. And uh, on the timeline, this is like 1988, that's when this comic is about, when this came out. And so he gets the symbiote, uh, brings out the, the worst in him, and he decides to make it his mission that I'm going to kill Spider-Man. That is pretty much Venom's goal. Throughout most of the, uh, his uh, Spider-Man appearances,
0: it's weird that Man. I kind of know this lore only from watching the uh, '90s Spider-Man TV show. Yeah, I don't know. Like they did. This I feel like Venom or... was
1: a big part of that show.
0: Yeah,
1: I remember he's played by Hank Azaria. Was he really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's where I know uh, Eddie Brock so well too. I I don't, this might be just my imagination, but I feel like Venom got really popular in the 90s, particularly, even though he came out in the late 80s.
0: He's extreme, sticking his tongue out.
1: I guess that's it, right? Because then Carnage was created in 94, I think. And then suddenly you just have all these like super extreme symbiote villains. (laughs) And, you know, I guess uh, Generation X is coming of age. And they're like, fuck this. Oh, but I can get behind Venom. Venom's fucking cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. And they're also like, I want this merch. I think that's <laughs> why. Because, like, Venom, you can just put his eyes and his mouth on a black T-shirt. It's like, oh, that's so cool.
1: It's a great look. I'm sure at least... I don't know, maybe both of you guys, but I'm sure at least Sean knows who designed Venom. Like, who drew Venom. Do you guys know this? Nah. famous uh, comic book artist who went on to... Make toys
2: That's a really Come on Colin you got this
1: He created another character in the 90s That kind of looks like Venom <laughs> yes. His name
0: like, Todd McFarlane It's
1: Todd McFarlane Todd I mean, McFarlane like, yeah. uh, Before he became it? an independent Comic book writer and artist he Used to work for Marvel and he used to draw Spider-Man and it's just so, I thought I found it so funny that, like, of course Todd McFarlane designed Spawn, because Spawn, or Venom, because Venom and Spawn look exactly the same. They're both black with, like, white around their eyes. That's just, like, his thing. That's so weird. He likes, like, black goop. Is Todd McFarlane, like, the originator of the black goop phenomena? <laughs> Did he wow. lay that seedling? Because black goop got really popular, especially yeah. the 2010s. So, I don't know.
2: I think there's a documentary about image comics that I've always meant to watch because oh. it sounds interesting.
1: You know, there was a show, I can't remember where I watched it. Maybe I watched it on, was it on Shudder? I think it was like in association with AMC where like it was about comic books and every episode was a different um, part of comic history. And there was an episode on image. And it was really interesting because yeah it's a lot of guys that just like fuck marvel and then just like left and made their yeah. own characters
2: ntc too i think they, NTC, i think yeah they, it was a collective they, they were like successful creatives who realized they were getting screwed over by these giant companies because uh if you invent a character like venom you don't get all the venom royalties you know you get you get a pat on the back and then you get kicked out the door um so Image Comics was the This like um, More like work for hire Approach to a comic book company That uh, like everyone f- fully owned The rights to the stories they created Sweet stories like Fucking Savage Dragon He's a cop but he's also a dragon man
1: Okay But yeah you know those guys like Todd McFarlane Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld And his grotesque looking bodies
2: Can't draw feet Just put something in front of the feet <laughs> So we did co-create
1: Deadpool, which actually has a connection to this movie. That I was surprising. Oh, <laughs> what's that? Uh, more more to the history, I think, um, than the final product. Let's get into the history of the of uh, the of the movies. Venom at the movies. Wh- what I found interesting is Venom. Uh, the first like pitch for a Venom movie was in 1997 by who else but David S. Goyer. Of <laughs> course. And what's so funny is this was like. This was literally a year before he had two of his biggest like breakout movies, which is he wrote Blade and he wrote co-wrote Dark City. But those that's those are both '98. So at this point, David S. Goyer was known for demonic toys, The Puppet Masters, and The Crow: City of Angels. <laughs> so I'm gonna guess that's probably why it didn't get off the ground. Because like, yeah, they just weren't list didn't want to listen to this guy. Um, they didn't give a shit. And then, like, a Venom uh, uh, movie didn't really become a, a conversation until, again, until, like, I think it was after Spider-Man 3, when they gave, when it was, um, Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese were, uh, were asked to, like, hey, we did this Venom character in this uh, Spider-Man movie. I think people liked it. Do you guys want to, like, try to work on a Venom script? So the original plans were to, like, okay, we're going to do the Topher Grace Venom movie. <laughs> and, uh... So yeah, Wernick and Reese worked on that for a long time. I want to say that Wernick and Reese um, wrote Deadpool or something. They definitely um, have written a lot of movies like in that kind of style. Like they did Zombie Land. They wrote Zombie Land. What's so funny is they ended up not writing the final version of the Venom movie we're talking about today. Though that movie is directed by the director of Zombie Land, so mm-hmm. it's just confusing. So yeah, we're, Reese. we're working on this for a long time. Eventually, people are just like, fuck this. We're too far from that Spider-Man movie that people didn't really like. So then people didn't start talking about Venom again until Amazing Spider-Man times. And of course, those movies that everyone loves uh, were written by um, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto or- Orsi, who are the Transformer guys. And uh, then they worked on it for a handful of years. And I don't think anybody liked what they had. But also nobody liked those amazing Spider-Man movies. Uh, So then that died due to lack of interest. And then, yeah, and then it wasn't until, like, I think 2016 or 17 when there's, like, another set of writers who are like, hey, you guys pick this up, see if you can do anything with it. And that was um, Jeff Pinkner and Scott Rosenberg. I see there's also someone named Kelly Marcello who has a writing credit on this movie. And then they eventually wrote it. Do you know who those guys are? I uh, don't. Off the top of my head, no.
2: Pinkner and Rosenberg wrote the Jumanji, the new Jumanjis.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting, uh, interesting.
2: But they both have more interesting things that they did prior to becoming a team. Yeah. Uh, so Rosen, I guess Rosenberg's the one I'm more interested in because he wrote uh, High Fidelity um, oh. and also two of the most iconic Nicolas Cage movies, Con Air and Gone in 60 Seconds <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also Kangaroo Jack he's the, he's Yeah, the I'm looking at it right now Jack.
1: Wow That's crazy, it looks uh, like he's also doing One Punch Man coming up
2: I don't know how he got partnered with pinkner because jeff pinkner wrote uh some tv shows and then he did the amazing spider-man 2 script mm-hmm. and then he wrote like the fifth wave and the dark tower so a lot of adaptations of existing properties i i think it's like the the context you have to have is that um sony as a film studio, has one property that reliably makes the money, and it's Spider-Man. They they don't have any other big franchises, or at least none are on, that are on that like this level, the Spider-Man level, this is like global blockbuster level. Um, and so they they never are willing to let it die. I mean, they're I, I think they're the, the last studio that has that sort of weird contract with Marvel where. They have the rights of the character until a certain period of time passes that they don't make a movie and then the, the rights are relapsed and that's just like never gonna happen um so like that that gap between spider-man 3 and the amazing spider-man is only like four years five years it's pretty yeah. short Um uh, and and when they made the amazing spider-man they were also like publicly saying hey we're making a sinister six movie and we're like every single member of the sinister six is getting their own movie series
1: Um. Why? Who's like uh, you guys want to go see Rhino the movie? (laughs) Paul Giamatti. (laughs) Um,
2: yeah. I mean, they want they want to basically be putting out Spider-Man related content all the time. I mean, even remember Venom came out in the same year as uh, Into the Spider Verse. There were two Spider-Man movies that year, sandwiched between tom holland spider-man appearing in in other marvel movies
1: i i really hate what sony's doing with the spider-man property i don't mind them doing a venom movie because i just think well venom's a huge character he's got a lot of appeal you have to do venom eventually but like morbius and i was talking about doing like a craven the hunter movie Mm -hmm. it's it's it just reeks of desperation and and corporate greed i mean that's pretty much how all decisions are made in Hollywood, but these ones are especially pathetic because these characters just aren't good enough to launch their own movies. But Venom is. Venom is a strong enough character to have his own movie. Um, And, you know, I don't know how we're going to come out uh, opinion-wise after talking about this movie, but I, I would say right now I'm mildly interested in seeing this Carnage movie as well. So...
2: So can you yeah, talk let's... about the the comic this is based on?
1: Yeah, you can talk about it. I didn't even know that until you told me right before the podcast that this movie was uh, used a, a particular comic as uh, inspiration.
2: Yeah, so like you said, the symbiote had been around since the 80s, and so had Eddie Brock as Venom uh, with his cool cancer backstory. Um, but him being a sort of anti-hero was... Uh, established in a series from 1993, so right before Maximum Carnage times, um, called Lethal Protector, which was the first like Venom solo story, I think. And the premise was uh, that in one of the times that Venom attacked Spider-Man, uh, his ex-wife, Anne, nearly got killed in the uh, ensuing uh, carnage to... He's a loaded term. Um and that caused uh and because Spider-Man was able to save Anne, uh Venom and Eddie decided to uh squash their beef with Spider-Man and they they worked out an agreement where as long as he wasn't like doing crimes, Spider Man would leave him alone. And so Venom moves to San Francisco, uh, and befriends the homeless people there. Uh and then uh, gets caught up in this scheme uh, put on by this company called the Life Foundation uh, that are uh, doing Ill- illegal scientific studies uh, to create a like futuristic dystopia. Uh, and when they capture him, they extract some symbiote from Venom and they create five other... Uh, sort of symbiote monsters called Scream, Phage, Riot, Lasher, and Agony. And so the comic's about uh, Venom rescuing these homeless people and stopping these uh, other symbiotes. Um, And so it does also have uh, Carlton Drake in it, Uh, although he does not become Riot. uh, He eventually does get transformed, though he becomes... Man spider,
1: <laughs> man spider. <laughs> well, I thought Spider Man became Man Spider. Was that called I think something? I there's probably else?
2: multiple Man spiders.
1: What?
0: All right, <laughs> what? I'll, I'll bite. What is Man Spider?
1: Well, I, the I mean, man spider I know is the one that Peter Parker turned into. Where it, it fa- they found out at some point that his uh, the original bite that he got the radioactive bite from the spider had like uh it, like dev- like further I don't know almost evolved and he like grew more arms oh, and he started like looking like a spider. So it's like he's it's like a the fly transformation basically. Yeah, that I was an arc like in the
0: cartoon show as well. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that action figure before. Oh yeah,
1: (laughs) where it's like Peter Parker with all multiple arms. Yeah, Uh, is is the Carlton Drake thing the same kind of thing?
2: It's the same kind of thing. It's a lot more xenomorph looking. I think Mm. I think it might also be called a Homo (laughs) Aractus. Whoa! Um, But yeah, he's just like a terrifying. uh, Whoa, shit, dude! Slimy monster man.
1: Oh, this looks like a boss in Metroid. This is scary. <laughs> he talks, too. That's I wouldn't want this thing talking to me. How come they didn't do this in this movie? It's really guess, disappointing, right? I all our arachnus. It, yeah, it's very, um, like, alien uh, xenomorph-looking. Nope. It's pretty scary.
0: Yeah, also, it's uh, just like it's really disappointing at the end of this movie just to watch two venoms fight each other mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah i don't think i've ever seen that in a superhero movie where the villain has the same powers and looks exactly the same as
2: i have the hero in what a movie that came out the same year or maybe one year earlier what was it? black fucking panther
0: oh yeah um, yeah well, you, you could that... maybe
1: make that argument for the Incredible Hulk to Abomination.
2: Uh, yeah, Iron Man 1. Okay,
1: happens more often than you think. It yeah. sucks.
2: Why do they do <laughs> it? This
0: is a bad
1: <laughs> idea. Uh, but this one's particularly confusing because he's like they're almost the same color too. Like it's just oh, the Black Panther one, I guess, is the most confusing because they literally look the same. Mm-hmm.
2: No, and uh, it's it's. Imp- they okay, so they they averaged both Venom and Riot out to be like a shade of gray instead of making Venom like pure black, yeah. Uh, and Riot uh, is, I guess he is more gray. Uh, which I guess that's a, that's a mistake too. Why choose the one that looks the most like Venom? It's just he just looks like sloppy Venom. If you look at what uh, what Riot looked like in the comics, it's just like oh, the, it's it's Venom, but. <laughs> it's sketchier looking um, But yeah When you could do any villain Why do a villain that's the same as the hero
1: I also think it's kind of disappointing Because like we all know that they're going to do Carnage As soon as they can So it's like you're already kind of spoiling uh, Venom fighting another symbiote By having him fight one You know, He fights one in the first movie So it makes the Carnage fight not as special Hmm
2: Uh, um also i had always i don't know if this is from the comics because i've not read those old ones yeah Um, so so i don't know but i've always assumed the reason that venom has like a spider symbol on his chest and eyes that look the way they do is because the first human the symbiote bonded with was spider-man and so it like took inspiration from spider-man um And to take that aspect out of the story makes me wonder why Venom is then so similar to Spider-Man when he could be anything.
1: Hmm.
2: And I guess now that I think of it, the movie one doesn't have the spider symbol on his chest, does it? No. No. It's just like a blank chest.
0: So he doesn't look as cool, but at least (laughs) it makes sense, I suppose. (laughs) He doesn't swing
2: around with webs. Which is something Venom
1: sometimes does. But dude, you know what they fucking nailed? The mm. tongue. The tongue. <laughs> yeah. Did they ever nail that? I used to have a Venom action figure uh, like from the 90s where you have a little tab on his back that would make his tongue stick out. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, they totally nailed the tongue. If you're going to get one thing right, it better be that tongue. And they did it. Do you feel Oops. like he has
2: t- too many rows of teeth?
1: Oh, I was fine with all the teeth
0: I find I like it a that. little upsetting But maybe, <laughs> maybe that's teeth. the point That he's supposed to be scary Take looking. your grandma, superhero Yeah
1: this is a Fucking badass. badass Remember, this is like a, a character that Generation X claimed <laughs> So he's like Fucking extreme, dude Alright, so I got, I got some of the plot beats We might skip around a little bit Uh, But this movie does open in space and does open with uh, a symbiote breaching a spaceship. Did you catch the name of the pilot of this spaceship?
2: You know I did. Colin, did you? No, of course not. This is
0: for the nerds. I ain't no nerd, I'm cool. Sean, who was that pilot? Jameson.
1: Jameson. It's, it's John Jonah Jameson. J. Jonah Jameson's uh, son. Uh,
0: yeah, that cool, cool. astronaut from... Uh... <laughs> Was he in the Spider-Man 2 or 3? Yeah, he's yeah, in Spider-Man, Spider-Man
1: two. Man 2. And in the comics, he turned into the classic character Man-Wolf. <laughs> which cool. is like a space werewolf. You
2: got too close to the moon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what if that's it? I don't really know the origin of Man-Wolf. What if that is it? Because I feel like it was something about like he went to space and then came back a man wolf, (laughs) like he could turn into one. Uh, But he's not man wolf in this, though. He did get infected with a symbiote. They they crash in Malaysia, and their the the craft is quickly recovered by the same people who launched it. The what'd you say they're called? The Life Foundation or something? Mm -hmm. The Life, yeah, the Life Foundation which is a company run by uh, Carlton Drake which is a great villain name cuz the <laughs> first name is a nerd name and the last name is kind of cool. He's paid by Riz Ahmed. Is their main thing like we know what the real thing like their real thing is. But is their main thing like they're all about space exploration or is that just like a new venture for them?
0: It seems like that's know. their main thing. That's the vibe I got. Is that it? Okay. this this wasn't like a Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk thing where they're just like, like I'm going to, go to space. Yeah, just because they got to okay, space. So this is money. like their thing. Yeah.
1: But he's this uh, genius billionaire. He's got a company that launches shit into space. <laughs> but but we know the real reason. He wants those symbiotes. So uh, John Jameson gets infected with the symbiote. He passes it on to an ambulance driver And then that ambulance driver Looks at the Life Foundation logo And was like, I know where I gotta go And I was like, actually pretty disappointed By this uh, This intro, cause I'm like, shit They're in Malaysia, it's gonna fucking take forever For them to get to <laughs> Eddie Brock <laughs> Cause I think, it, was, it wasn't it was until that point That I remembered hearing Oh shit, isn't the thing that this movie doesn't turn into Venom For like a while <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then that confirmed it Starting in Malaysia But then hey man then we go to San Francisco we Got a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge And there's text on the screen that says San Francisco as if the bridge Wasn't enough of a clue <laughs> It's like if you had the Statue of Liberty And put New York City, New York City. on the screen Maybe that's for um, Maybe that's for foreign audiences Probably or for very small children I was like, oh, that's yeah, teaching them geography. Yeah. And uh, we get to meet Eddie Brock, who's, like, total, like, badass reporter <laughs> online. Is there, like, a real-life analog or equivalent to this character uh, that you guys I think, think, he, think
2: of? I think he's, like, a vice.com yeah, reporter. Yeah, but,
1: but none, of the, none of those guys are, like, that famous. Like, he gets recognized in bars. <laughs> yeah. He's just total badass. Uh, he's got a Brooklyn accent. Uh, or some kind of New York accent, which which makes sense, I guess, because we know that Eddie got his start at the Daily Mughal in New York. Mm-hmm. Checks out. Yeah, it's um, never
0: established, but I'll take
1: it. <laughs> plus, I mean, Tom Hardy loves to do A ridiculous those kind of accent. accents. Yeah. He loves accents. So he's this uh, hardworking reporter who, like, he gets to the real shit. Like, he uncovers stuff. He's that kind of reporter and uh there's his girlfriend Anne, and she's a lawyer um (laughs) i wrote a note that says really shitty shitty auto-tune music which is what i realized this movie might suck
0: (laughs) just a little note yeah there's a little bit of that like in the it's kind of a weird soundtrack yeah
1: there's a lot of uh there's a lot of hip-hop a lot of like kind of questionable rock um so, but Eddie, even though he's he has is, is been working with this this particular company run by Ron Cephas Jones. Yeah. Uh, so the assignment Eddie gets is, I think it's kind of like he's going to do basically a, a piece on Carlton Drake that's sort of them just doing damage control for like, oh, one of our rockets crashed. <laughs> but I'm going to explain like why that's okay and just, just try to, it's, it's a puff piece basically. Yeah. Um, But that's not really Eddie's style He takes the assignment, but it's not really his style And then he finds out his girlfriend is working on a um, A case related to Carlton Drake I can't remember if we Do we get to find out specifically what her case is?
2: Oh, it's about illegal human trials
1: Illegal human trials And he finds this out by when they're sleeping Logging on to her computer And reading all these classified documents yeah, it's Colin, a Colin I assume you do this percent. all the time Because your girlfriend's a lawyer So you're probably always logging on, right? Getting all those classified documents
0: yeah. Well, yeah, because in my spare time I'm an investigative reporter In, in the Philadelphia crime system Huge conflict it's okay, of though. interest
2: It's okay, though Because she's a prosecutor So, like, she, she wants that evidence to get out Um. That's true Unlike... Unlike Anne, who is defending Carlton Drake,
0: yeah.
1: So he goes to meet Carlton Drake, and he kind of starts out the interview like he's like a bad journalist, like he's just ill prepared, mm-hmm. which
2: which becomes his personality for the rest of the movie.
1: <laughs> but in this scene, you re- you realize slowly that it's more of a tactic to kind of catch Carlton off guard, and then he starts asking him about these experiments and uh, these weird genetics and. He's dead. People. Uh, Rizomed does call it. Uh, he does use the word fake news. Had to make a mm-hmm, note of that. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they they kick him out. And then his, uh, Eddie's boss is super pissed. And uh, Eddie doesn't won't reveal a source either. Um, yeah, cause <laughs> it's hella unethical. I wrote down. I I I like. I just wrote down straight lines around a while. His boss says, "For a smart guy, you really are a dumbass." Good line.
2: Yeah, I remember making fun of that and when I saw it. Because what has he done that was smart in the movie up to this point? <laughs> Not much. Mm. Pretty dumb.
1: It is It is funny how like, we're supposed to accept that he's smart, but we don't actually get to see any of that. We just hear about it and then see like some clips of old stories he did and, and assume he did those well.
2: Because, I mean, the thing about his gotcha interview is he, he doesn't have evidence he can use because... Like, all he did was read his girlfriend's computer Yeah So, like, Reza Man very easily gets out of it by saying Hey, this interview's over <laughs> He destroyed his relationship and his job To get basically nothing
1: Yeah, it's pretty easy for them to piece together that His, uh, he got it from his girlfriend So she gets fired and dumps him So Eddie's mm-hmm. spiraling And uh, the movie does a – oh, we also get some uh, cutaways every now and then to parts of Asia where the symbiote is jumping from person to person, Um, which I didn't really need, I guess. Every time I saw it, I was just like, oh, God, they're still in Asia? They're not even in America yet? Come on. But, John, it's funny
2: because it goes from a normal, healthy adult to, like, an old lady lady. and then, like, a little girl.
1: Whoa. Yeah, we find out later that the way symbiotes, at least Venom, the way they work is they kind of... It's like an organ transplant where they need to find a host that's uh, a match for them, genetically. So that's why they have to pick specific people. And if it's uh, if it's the wrong kind of person, it doesn't end well. Um, so after Eddie's whole uh, mess of... Uh, you know, after his whole incident... Six months go by mm-hmm. Half a I year was, I was not expecting such a big time jump Two seasons uh, We see Carlton uh, He's been experimenting uh, With rabbits with, symbiotes. Mm-hmm. with the help of Dr. Jenny Slate Je- I, uh, Yeah I forgot to mention Jenny Slate is in this movie You can tell she's smart For Because she has reason. her hair in a
2: ponytail And she's wearing big old glasses
1: <laughs> I was really hoping she would be More of a main character like she is for a good chunk, but then yeah, Obviously bad stuff happens So I was pretty disappointed like, I would have liked her to be part of like the team The Fendi Yeah,
2: team. again the, the comic this is based on Has the Life Foundation make a team Of symbiotes I don't know why they walked away from that To have a boring one-on-one
1: Too expensive, too expensive Too expensive to have a team of symbiotes That's, that's way too much shit on screen Plus I'm sure they they're constantly thinking about like oh, for the sequel for the sequels for the sequels the uh, carnage for yeah, the second yeah. one third one uh, like 20 symbiote people <laughs> <laughs> No one's going to know anything what's going on
2: Well they I, I'm sure you read they do have two planned sequels or like I didn't a sequel and a that. spin-off
1: Oh wow a spin-off yeah. eh of yeah. with like a different character
2: They want to do a She-Venom spin-off
0: Character oh, she, she venom, venom.
2: Yes. He does appear briefly in this we do
1: get a taste yeah. of she venom um, not pleased by some of the images that I saw when I googled she venom oh, yep. not surprised but it is from the comics it's a thing so we catch up with Eddie he's drowning his sorrows in a bar um, he finds out on the TV that the life Foundation is gonna do a new launch uh, so he's like I gotta get it, like I gotta get back into the shit. Um, He goes to that convenience store Where there's a robbery And he's uh, too much of a bitch To do anything about it. <laughs> Yeah he just hides He just hides as some guy robs uh, The convenience store And it sounds like this guy does this Like every week It's like there's, there's gotta be a way to stop this guy It's not like he's the mafia or something There's gotta be a way to <laughs> You can't keep letting this guy rob you uh, but, you know, Eddie's just a bitch. He's just like, aches and pains, aches of pains. He buys a Pepto-Bismol on a sandwich. Hey, I thought the Pepto-Bismol touch was nice, because we know once he becomes Venom, he's going to eat a lot of heads, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We get back to Carlton, and now they've moved up to using humans for their experiments. Though, were they using them earlier? Because... 'Cause when Anne was in, like doing the case, I I guess I was a little confused about exactly what she was doing. So that was just some other
2: thing they were doing. That was some other that was thing. also using illegal humans. It was using crimes. people,
1: but it wasn't for alien research. It was for Okay, right. it was a different thing. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but now they're using people for the Symbiote program. And this is when we learned the whole thing. Because uh, 'cause they're trying on some meth addict that it's gotta be like a match, like an organ match. Yeah um, and it like the Soviet gets in this guy and just kind of kills him. I was I was kind of hoping he like explode. <laughs> uh,
2: I would also say this is the first is good scene in what was a bad movie, very bad movie up to this point.
1: What'd you like about uh, this scene?
2: Because uh, Carlton Drake gives this speech about Abraham and Isaac uh, as a way to comfort the uh, the test subject, who I believe is named Isaac. Yes, uh, and sort of subtly implies that he views himself as God uh like a pretty good little villain monologue for this otherwise forgettable who gives a shit villain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh yeah, it's 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 scary. It's a, it it's got that going. And this this speech, I mean, I think Riza Med is good in this movie, definitely. Mhm. Uh performance is uh, um, for the most part good in this movie. Uh so Jenny Slate uh is Pretty disgusted by these experiments, and she reaches out to Eddie. Um, yeah, but then bef- after that, we cut back to um, Anne, who's now dating Reed Scott, who plays Dan from Veep. And <laughs> right, in this, why in this is movie he... he's playing a guy named Dan again? <laughs> does he only play Dan's?
0: What is with that? <laughs> he's, he's good at it. Such a good Dan.
1: He's playing a doctor named Dan. And he's charming He's not You can't even hate him for anything He's not even a douche He's just a nice guy Dr. Dan Um So back to Eddie Yeah Jenny Slate reaches out to him Um He realizes uh, My life sucks anyway So yeah I guess I'll I'll listen And we'll We'll do this shit we'll, we'll we'll sneak in Whatever I got nothing else going on
2: Well it's not just that It's also the The homeless lady that he likes Has
1: disappeared and he's She like, oh, disappeared shit. That's right Probably the Life Foundation Okay Yeah I remember that now Um, But she takes Eddie to that uh, Their research facility And <laughs> I like how she like Just like lets him sneak around She like opens the door And she's like Just go figure Go find some shit Go, go <laughs> <do."> <laughs> Take photos and write stuff and he, he finds himself in that that area where they're doing all the, the testing he even finds the, the lady his, his, uh, his old friend uh, being affected with a, symb- a symbiote and he like he breaks the glass right that's how he gets it out of there he, mm-hmm. and the symbiote like jumps into him And uh, I just got to say, I'm pretty uh, amazed by how bad security is at this place, considering the (laughs) kind of stuff they have going on here, that this whole incident even took place. Uh, Because, I mean, this is a place with a lot of dead bodies around. (laughs) Like, you know, you don't want anyone seeing that. All Jenny Slate had to do was open some door and let some guy in. Yep. It was at this point in my notes that I was reminded of... I think something that a lot of people thought of when this movie came out is how it does feel a lot like the movie Upgrade. Yep. I think you even mentioned that in your letterbox review, you, Sean. And that's just the funniest coincidence because Upgrade is a movie that stars Logan Marshall Green, who's famous for looking exactly like Tom Hardy. And they've both been in movies where some other um, life form, in the case of Upgrade is an AI, take over their body and make them do stuff.
2: So. And they even have the fight. The, they have an upgrade fight scene where he's like having a conversation with Venom, and like he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm not in control of my body," but he's like beating people up really easily. It's so weird. Maybe want the same
1: wait, I, year. What? Is so they the same year too? Wow. Maybe I want to watch Upgrade again. I can't remember how much I liked it. I think I, I think I liked it.
2: It's it's um, it's, it's got that and then it also has like a chase Where he's like using his powers In an exciting chase against technology vehicles Which is also something Upgrade has Although obviously on a much lower budget um, Than what you see in Venom It's really weird that just like in the middle of it It's like we're just going to be the movie Upgrade Which also is probably like In theaters right now <laughs>
1: <laughs> Except we actually went to go see Upgrade
0: mm-hmm.
1: But hey now we've seen them both Now we've seen them both uh, so Eddie does find his way back to his apartment and now that venom is in his body he becomes ravenous and he's eaten frozen tater tots and old chicken yeah and it's gross but it's f- it's comedy as well <laughs> gotta check off those boxes um, some
2: uh, los s Pukies
1: <laughs> he does he does do exactly that <laughs> he uh he then goes because uh, he's so worried to go see Anne uh, at a re- who's eating at a restaurant. I gotta say, Tom Hardy's doing some amazing sweaty acting. His he's drenched <laughs> with sweat at this point, like so yeah, more yeah. sweat than you can imagine. Uh,
2: okay, okay. I mean, I think I think this is we're getting into the main contention is okay. is Tom Hardy's performance a good or b bad, um, and also. <laughs> Is it tonally not what the
0: movie Needed or is it exactly What the movie needed
1: I want to hear from Colin first on this matter
0: I feel like it's In between A and bad Or A and B uh, This feels like a Nicolas Cage performance to Where it's like right? outside of The concept of good Or bad acting He's just doing his own thing He's like He's giving it his all is he is he given the right thing? Maybe not always like I don't, I don't know if I don't know if the comedy always works like I feel like what he's doing often when he's just being like straight and doing his ridiculous accent is sometimes funnier than when he actually has to say jokes in the movie. Um, I don't know if it's what the movie's asking for. But I'm not also not sure what this movie is asking for. I I feel like it is a little tonally unsure of itself. And, I don't know, seeing Tom Hardy actually give a at least entertaining performance, like, maybe elevates it a little bit.
1: Okay, I want to go next, because I think we're doing this in order of how much we liked it. (laughs) Um... I like it. I think it's good. Uh, you don't get to see this kind of wackiness in these kind of genre superhero movies that often, so it's a welcomed addition for me. It's something I don't usually get to see. Love Tom Hardy. Love that it's over the top. I feel like it breathes a lot of life into this movie. Like if this had been, I'm trying to think of a like a less like a not as interesting actor they could have cast as Venom. If this had been like Channing Tatum. I don't, just wouldn't have been as much fun. I brought up Channing Tatum because I, for, I forgot to mention he was considered to play Venom uh, in the amazing Spider Man days. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all on board. Sean, tell
2: me Yeah, I love it. So, <laughs> I'm calling, you brought up Nicolas Cage. And, I, and again, I just got to remind you, Scott Rosenberg, one of the writers on this, wrote Con Air and Gone <laughs> in 60 Seconds. So yeah. I think he knew what he was doing. And he's like, I want Tom Hardy to go full not the bees on this movie. Mm-hmm. And and he I mean, this could be such a like an easy like Jekyll and Hyde story about like a normal guy who's cursed. And the the, the fact that they did not do that, they went for we're <laughs> two lovable losers who become best friends. <laughs> is so weird. Like Tom Hardy said he was inspired by Ren and Stimpy.
0: His performance. <laughs> the the the
2: the voice he does, he says, was based on James Brown. I don't get it at all. Wait, where wait, he what? chose the, the Venom voice—that's well, supposed to be
0: James Brown. I mean, I, I obviously the, he, he did that voice, and then they like put a shitload of distortion and. <laughs> Like tuning the voice down So I don't think we're really hearing What that original voice is Though I am kind of interested to hear it now it's...
1: So You tell me if they take off All that modulation It sounds like James Brown
0: I guess That sounds good <laughs>
1: I didn't realize. I felt dumb. I didn't realize. Uh, I was like trying to like, who's the voice of Venom? Like, I don't even know. It's like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's just Tom Hardy. Yeah, of course.
2: Tom Hardy is not going to pass up any chance to do a weird voice.
1: He's yeah. or play multiple characters. I think there is a movie where he plays twins that nobody likes. Tom yeah, Hardy's in a lot of like forgettable right.
0: movies. <laughs> yeah.
2: And this could have been so forgettable. I mean, his name is basically Tom Holland, so it could have been just disappeared into the background and and just been some nobody like you were saying but also i think the movie itself is written it's like the same superhero movie that sony and uh, specifically producer abby arad has been trying to make uh for like 30 years now uh if you don't know him colin he, he's the guy who produced basically all the non-mcu marvel movies like daredevil mm. uh angley hulk the spider-mans blade i think the x-men's he did uh, the Ghost Rider movies, uh, and and I think this movie could very much just feel like like the same, like yeah. uh, the, the, like being a like a, a cool reporter who's investigating an evil corporation. That's also basically the plot of the Amazing Spider-Man. It could have just been the same movie as that, um, but Tom Hardy's insane <laughs> performance takes it uh, uh, totally out of that realm and makes it something very different and i've been i've been shitting on the writers but i mean that's in the writing too because the they the, there are multiple scenes where the characters are like at least we get each other because we're both losers
1: so back to the back to the story um yeah eddie's uh jumping around the restaurant he jumps in a fish tank it's jumps very right very and
2: starts eating raw lobster
1: it's uh it's good stuff real good uh so dr dan Takes him back to the hospital. And they're going to put him in an MRI. And that Mm. machine freaks out the symbiote. Is that because of the noise that it produces?
2: John, you've taken us right into Sean's goofs.
1: Uh. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Because I wasn't sure. I'll just say. I wasn't sure. Because we know uh, definitely later on there's a scene where we see that Venom, like in the comics, is sensitive to extreme noise. And I wasn't sure if. This was supposed to give the audience that early clue, like, oh, yeah. he doesn't like noise.
2: So they specifically establish that it's high pitches that uh, the symbiotes don't like. Yeah. Uh, and the problem is they show this in the context of an MRI, and MRIs are magnets. They don't they don't make sounds. The only sound you hear is a mechanical sound of the parts moving. Uh, there's no high frequencies being emitted by. <laughs> an MRI machine. So um, the, the the sound you're hearing when you hear an MRI, it's the equivalent of, according to this IMDb Goose Rider, the equivalent of someone like knocking loudly on the door. <laughs> uh, wow. So it, do, it does not make a, a lick of sense that this would inspire that reaction from uh, the symbiote. And also, according to this Goofs Rider, uh, it doesn't make sense where the MRI machine is installed because... There are a bunch of metal objects All around this room And uh, Like I said because an MRI uses Magnets uh, You wouldn't have anything metallic in the same room Unless it was fastened securely Down uh, Because people have died by Things being sucked into an MRI machine So uh, Total fail I think On the the movie's part in this scene
1: I can't believe Uh, the guy that wrote Kangaroo Jack didn't do his homework
2: they they could have done an ultrasound and and not have had either of these problems, but instead they went with an MRI. Uh, another medical goof, just while I'm here, because there's so many goofs in this yeah. movie. Um, right after this scene, uh, when Dan uh, is analyzing the test that he did on Eddie, uh, instead of calling Eddie to tell him to come back so he can talk about the results, he calls Anne, uh, Eddie's ex-wife, uh, which... As we all know is a direct violation Of doctor patient confidentiality Uh, So Dan who we all agree is a good guy Could lose his medical license If it was discovered that he was sharing medical diagnosis Information with someone other than the patient
1: Damn Uh, We cut back to Jenny Slate uh, And they find out That she was uh, Behind So they kill her with a symbiote She dies off camera. Sucks. Yep. very disappointing. At least make her blow up or something. I don't know. I just want something to blow up. I know this is PG-13. But I just feel like you have so much goo involved. You gotta (laughs) see something
0: blow up. I don't know how you do a (laughs) PG-13 version of any body part blowing up.
1: (laughs) I bet Sam Raimi could do it. I remember seeing Drag Me to Hell for the first time and being like, this is the most disgusting... PG 13
0: movie I've ever seen. Was there like the a lot of like, blood in it though? I feel like there's just like lots of goo and dirt.
1: No, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean is like he worked around like this is PG 13. I'm not going to use blood. I'm going to use like pus and like vomit and goo.
0: I guess you could because there is, you know, the element of goo in this movie. Yeah, I'm
1: just saying this movie is so goopy. I, I, I was expecting a goop explosion. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that was unfair, unfair expectation to have of this film. So Eddie goes back to his apartment complex and, uh, there's a bunch of goons there, which is, uh, Carlton's goons with guns tracking yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And this is where we start to get to see some action. And of yeah. course this leads into a big chase scene too, which is kind of like, I guess the action set piece of the movie. Uh, what do we think of this whole sequence?
2: I like it I think it's it's all fine I think um, it, it doesn't feel Extremely new Which is kind of disappointing Because the idea of having a goo monster Living inside you that can do whatever you want uh, Does open up a lot of possibilities That we haven't seen before uh, And they kind of just settle for like, What if the cars crash into stuff And what if the drones crash and explode And there's big explosions um, and what if they keep driving by the same landmarks in San Francisco? That they're either <laughs> driving in a weird loop, or
0: just some buildings are repeated in the city. Um, yeah, I don't like that shit. For <laughs> me, I've just seen a lot of really good car chase scenes in San Francisco. Even on a movie that we talked about in the past, <laughs> The Rock, uh, yeah. and all those yeah. chase scenes are so. I mean, I'm thinking like Bullet. Uh, movie what's up doc is really good um but like all those movies did it like you know for real with real cars uh going down these giant ass hills and everything just feels so cg in this movie even though i'm sure they use some real cars it's just like it just didn't feel that visceral which i i guess it's hard to ask for most action scenes in these types of movies I don't know It felt a little limp To me For that reason
1: I think it's okay I think the fact That it's uh, a motorcycle Is fun And you can see An epic motorcycle jump This is the second movie That I've picked On the podcast Where someone flies Through the air On a motorcycle And then gets like Separated from the motorcycle (laughs) And you see Both the person And the motorcycle Floating through the air From when I selected Hot Rod Yeah (laughs) So I guess I'm into that kind of stuff When people are too far away from their motorcycle But it is around this time Uh, I clocked at 59 minutes We do get to see full Venom For the first time Um, I wrote one note About what I thought about Venom's uh, Look and I just wrote Too tall
0: (laughs) It does feel like he gains like a whole Like extra massive Torso (laughs) Somehow
1: Yeah, he's too big. Though I would say overall, I think the Venom and the symbiote effects are fine. I I like the look of it. I think they they did a good job with the character design and and most of the CGI on the symbiote. Yeah, I just
0: kind of miss the spider symbol. I
2: also have a hard time wrapping my mind around what's going on when the symbiote as Venom... (laughs) Eats a person Like is Eddie also eating a person?
0: (laughs) I would assume not We
2: we see the head just Is wrapped around his head Yeah There's even a part where he like takes half the head off And it's half Tom Hardy face Half Venom face
1: See that's one of the things I've never understood With Venom even in the comics Are like are those big pointy teeth What he's done to Eddie's teeth Or are those like Venom's teeth over like what? what's going on with the mouth region I, I could buy like oh he bites off a head and then it gets absorbed into the symbiote and not Eddie's body but uh but there's not a
2: lot of space so I mean at least we know in this version the teeth are the symbiote because again when you go to that scene where it's like we are Venom and you, it's half of both faces you can see yeah. like the teeth are in front of uh, of Eddie's mouth they're not in Eddie's mouth
1: mm-hmm That's true.
2: Um, That's true. I just want to know if he is a full on cannibal. Has he eaten human now? Or does that totally bypass him when Venom eats people? Because we know Venom gets nourishment when he eats tater tots and, and chocolate as Eddie Brock. He
1: likes chocolate. Yeah. I don't know, dude. It doesn't really make any sense, but I don't really blame him because it doesn't make any sense in the comics either. (laughs) You know, that was the whole problem with giving Venom a mouth. I'm sure there's (laughs) a comic that explains it. That explains Venom's mouth. Um, It's
2: it's a scary mouth, though.
1: So it's around this time, too, that we find out Venom's motivation. And I think he wants to get on uh, Carlton Drake's rocket and get out of there because he was he's just basically a prisoner on earth Um, and he also likes to eat people so those are his two things that he likes (laughs) not being on earth and eating people because he hates people Uh, meanwhile we see that the evil the evil symbiote the eviler symbiote (laughs) has finally appeared in San Francisco it's at the airport Uh, I think it is either in a little girl or goes to a little girl around this point. Because it's like, what? An old lady and then a little girl? What? You think? Well, that's weird. Yeah. Um, Then I wrote down a bunch of scenes, but I'm not sure what the relevance of me writing these down were. I wrote, Eddie goes back to his old workplace to try and spill the story. And then I I write, Eddie goes back to his apartment. (laughs) So I can't remember what happened at his workplace. I remember he... uh, the security guard guy was like, dude, you can't be here but Right, and
2: and so he scales the building
1: From the outside as That's Venom. right, we get to see some of that And that's when we get to see uh, him at the top of the building And see the symbiote like, all jiggle When like a, a, a plane or a helicopter passes by mm-hmm. So that's fun Just some, some nice Venom stuff Venom's, Venom's a good guy, he's a good actor I like him um, And then, yeah, goes back to his apartment Fights the SWAT team does he do that twice? Did I get that right? Oh well, he fights a lot of guys.
2: He, he fights the SWAT team leaving his workplace because, despite having That's scaled right. it from the outside, he just takes the elevator down to the loft. Um, and and Anne shows up because uh, she's there to tell him that uh, the that the symbiote is giving him cancer.
1: That's right. They Which go... is a subplot
2: that kind of gets just dropped.
1: They go back to the hospital, right?
2: Yeah, that's where they separate Venom from Eddie using the MRI machine, like we talked about before, even though it doesn't make sense because an MRI machine doesn't make high-pitched sounds. Yeah, they,
1: they make it makes the bad noise and it separates him. Um, and while that's going on, is around the same time that Carlton is approached by a little girl and her symbiote uh, infects him. And I was wondering like does it Was it just Did it just happen to be a good organ match Or is this like symbiote Can it just match with anybody I don't think it can match with anybody Because it needed specific people earlier on in the movie
2: Right yeah we know that the, the one symbiote died When it tried to merge with that one homeless person So The other symbiote died when it tried to merge with Jenny Slate and Killed them both
1: So it's just a happy coincidence then That uh it, it it can it can blend with uh, with Carlton for some reason. Why not? Mm-hmm. Sure, he's, he's
2: fucked up enough. That it well,
1: so was Carlton's whole reason for wanting these symbiotes to merge with people is so that people could like live in space as these symbiote hybrids. I thought that yeah, was he line seems about to he's, he's,
2: he's, he's think this is like the next step in human evolution.
1: It's for, for us reason. to become these, so we can go live in outer space.
2: I mean, I I guess we, since they were bringing these samples back from space, I guess we can infer that he has known about them for some time and been studying them from afar. Um, Yeah. So, who who knows, whatever is fucked up, but it really are. Because what it comes down to is that Riot wants to take over the Earth by bringing in more symbiotes there. And Venom just wants to peace out because he's a loser, <laughs> and he won't like it if the symbiote. He, he's over. a loser
1: on his planet. He's the nerd. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking nerd! Because I do feel like, and I might be wrong here. I feel like when he fights Riot, Riot's a little taller. Maybe. Yeah, and
2: and I think he says that like Riot has more powers than he does. Yeah.
1: So Venom, yeah, he's the little pipsqueak nerd on his planet. So Eddie at the hospital is apprehended uh, mm-hmm. We also see Venom escape uh, From the hospital going through the vents And he infects a dog And you're like sure you think does. he's going to kill the dog But he just infects the dog And becomes part of it mm-hmm. And I gotta say missed opportunity That we didn't get to see the dog transform into a full Venom dog Yeah
2: The mask you was know. willing to do it
1: There's <sighs> just There's so many valuable things to learn from the mask Yeah <laughs> Why couldn't we have learned that? This is like the mask, isn't it? I think I read that I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was the Josh Trank version of this film was gonna be like more inspired by the mask. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Venom was gonna have like bits and like different and like costume changes. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he'd, he'd like dress up like Guy Fieri and then bite somebody's head off. You know. Make some sort of Flavor Town joke. We do get to see a scene where Riot reveals himself. We get to see him talking to Carlton about their plans. And he just wants to take over the world, and Carlton's like, "Yeah, sure, that sounds good." How does Eddie end up in the woods? He's—they're going to
2: execute him. They're going to—they're going
1: to That's right. They're going to kill him in the woods. They're gonna like, shoot yeah. him, take him out to the woods, shoot him. And then uh, she Venom shows up.
2: She Um, venom
1: don't like this character. This is why she has such prominent uh, boobs. (laughs) It's not like Venom has like a dong hanging down. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: but he most decidedly does not. It's all smoothed over. (laughs) So I didn't need this. But like you look up the drawings of this
1: character and that's pretty much exactly what she looks like. It's creepy, it's gross, I don't like it. It's like God. How many people in this movie are gonna get fucking venom powers? Um.
2: Yeah. That might be gross, but how hot is the symbiote sharing makeout session?
1: Uh, it's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Poor Ben. laughs> but yeah. Anne uh, brings the symbiote, uh, brings Venom back to Eddie because she yeah. can have Venom powers too. I also, at this point, wrote a stray note to myself that's just um. Shouldn't we have learned more about Riot from the beginning of the movie? <laughs> he, like, I mean, obviously we see his whole journey going from person to person, but we really don't really get to know him until the, like, the last ten minutes of the movie. So
2: if they had flipped it a little bit, where Venom was the symbiote that got out and was trying to escape and going through the planet Earth and eventually finds his way to Eddie... And that Riot is one of the samples, uh, you know, and and like in this, is whittled down to being the last of the samples that they have at the Life Foundation. I think the whole thing would have made a lot more sense. Uh, I don't know why they did it, that Venom was one of the samples, and that Eddie has to go and, like, steal Venom from the homeless lady, uh, and Riot has to possess a little girl and just make his way to the Life Foundation. Um Except that I guess they were like, well, but the symbiote's going to kill people on the way over, and so you can't have you can't have Venom do that because he's supposed to be good, I guess.
1: I actually kept forgetting while watching the movie early on that that symbiote traveling across the country wasn't Venom. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the other one. Yeah, that's the, I guess that's the confusing thing about having multiple symbiotes in this first movie. Uh, and then I wrote, they fight, Riot and Venom. They sure do.
2: They fight on a spaceship, which is a good setting for (laughs) fight scenes.
1: Yeah, I don't know this fight. um, I guess I don't have any complaints about it. I don't have any compliments for it either. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's got to happen. It's not too long. I have,
2: I have a complaint, but it's about the end of the
1: fight. Uh, well, they fight and then. I wasn't paying attention because I was eating some cereal, and then I I noticed that uh, Eddie had a big metal shard through his chest. I didn't even see how it happened.
2: It's a it's a riot shard. Like Riot made like a spike and threw it at him.
1: Okay. Uh, but it's okay because Venom can can heal that. Yep. He can't he? Can't die. He, can cure he can't and die. Pure. Being pierced through the chest. <laughs> Which is really
2: frustrating to me, because the end of the fight is... So, we've talked about the sound, but they also established early on that the other weaknesses the symbiotes have is fire. And so they blow up the rocket so that uh, Riot will get consumed by a huge uh, fireball. And uh, because that's happened, Venom has to, uh, like, parachute Eddie down into the water. Uh, And this is portrayed as a heroic sacrifice, as... Venom is giving its life to save uh, Eddie. And the scene ends with Eddie in the water being like, Venom, where'd you go? Oh my god, Venom is dead. And then in the next scene, Eddie has Venom powers again. like, And its I have this pet peeve now with superhero movies doing heroic sacrifice moments and then immediately undercutting them, I'd be like, no, they're fine. Um, I think the Avengers did this with Iron Man, uh, you know, taking the nuke into the other portal. Uh, and then, like, seemingly dying. And then immediately they're like, no, he's fine. <laughs> he's totally fine. Um, they do this with Superman in, in the Snyder movies where uh, he, he gets uh, killed. In Dawn of Justice, and then they bring him right back in Justice League. Um, if you're going. It's like I know it's a thing with comic books that you're like. A character can die and they'll probably eventually come back. Um, but when you do it in the same movie, or even in just like the next movie, it has no impact. You're just wasting everyone's time. Because. There's there's no emotional resonance when when everyone's like, yeah, okay, whatever. He, he did a sacrifice, and then he's back, and he's fine. It didn't matter. um so Please, this is another thing. Please stop doing this. If you're listening and have the power, stop it.
1: Yeah, I don't really know. It's not like anyone's dumb enough to be like, oh, I guess they're going to kill Venom off in this movie. Right, so why do it? I don't know. Just because it's like, uh, you know, if you're following screenplay rules, you gotta have something like this, right? <laughs> yeah. This is now the formula for a lot of superhero movies to have something like this. Uh, yeah. It's getting a little tiring because, like, yeah, we obviously know they're not gonna kill Venom. 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 Uh,
2: <laughs> Venom. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, I was annoyed by that too. Uh, so then, yeah, we're pretty much wrapping it up. We got, uh, Eddie kind of patching things up with Anne best he can We get a Stan Lee cameo, which I totally wasn't even thinking about Like, does Stan Lee know who Venom is? It's always (laughs) weird when he shows up in the characters that he definitely did not create or, like, have any hand in
0: Yeah Like when he's in, like, Deadpool I don't even remember what he did She's like, hey, what's up? Yeah, he's just like, what's up? Oh, this yeah, came it's out cool. like a month before he died. I think that was another thing. I was like, wow, wow, I
1: couldn't remember when Stanley had died, so it was yeah. surprising for me to see him in this. I, I, I thought that like the timeline didn't check out. Uh but he's there, and it's it's kind of fun. Um, and then the movie closes out with Eddie going back to the convenience store where that robbery occurred earlier. And that guy's back again because that's just his 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 gig is coming back in Robin's convenience store. <laughs> he's gonna. This early. time Eddie's gonna Eddie's gonna stand up, uh, and he's gonna turn into Venom, and he's gonna go up to him and do a really a really awful looking effect where like part of his face turns to just Eddie's face. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like Eddie's in like the Venom suit, and it looks very silly. Uh, and then he says that uh, classic line. I think that's what about some the of the turd. posters looked like. Yeah. yeah.
0: I've been seeing that a lot
1: in movie posters where it's like part of the face is one thing, part of the face <laughs> is something else. Yeah,
0: but they did it literally in the movie.
1: They did it in the movie. They did the poster shot in the movie. It is cool that he kills him, though. I like that Venom kills. I like that about Venom. It's a nice change of pace for some of the other superheroes. I and can't, also like
2: John was saying, that line is... <laughs> So bad, but so good (laughs) Do you remember it, Colin? No, I don't We will eat both of your arms And then eat both of your legs And then we will eat your face right off your head You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street Like a turd in the wind
0: That's right, yeah That common expression, turd in Turd in the wind I had a hard time understanding most of what the Venom voice was saying, uh, a, as as per many Tom Hardy voices go. But oh well. Yeah. That's what that's what he do. Yep. He's not gonna make it easy for you.
1: Favorite Tom Hardy voice for me is definitely revenant. Yeah. Wormy pulch. pulse Or those pulch. Buffalo Bill voice <laughs> Oh my Classic Does he bite the guy's head off? I can't remember how he kills him.
2: Yes. Uh you're it's interesting you can't remember how he kills him because that is another goof. Uh oh. because the shot we see is him biting the guy's head off. Yeah. But the following shot uh, shows Eddie walking out of the store and there's no body or blood or anything on the ground so despite him biting the head off it appears he is eaten the whole body in one big gulp
0: yeah I found it confusing because I feel like it kind of cuts away as he's about to bite the head off but then yeah I, I guess I just assumed that he just ate the whole body in one big gulp one big gulp I don't
1: remember the exact framing. I thought he just bit maybe like bit his head off and then the body's on the floor and we just weren't showing the floor. But if you guys are saying that nice. they show it in a way where the body's just gone, then yeah.
2: Yeah. Another goof is when Eddie is walking into the convenience store, it is clearly broad daylight. And when he walks out of the convenience store, it is midnight.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, dude. It's, uh time time flies <laughs> and you're biting off heads uh, and that's that's venom 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 momentum adrenaline venom that great theme song for a little bit for a little bit because then we get uh, a little tease very fun tease for the sequel where uh, Eddie is going to this maximum security prison for his next story. Sure. Uh Where he's going to interview Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. And it's Woody Harrelson wearing an Annie wig. (laughs) What the fuck were they thinking? What the fuck? I gotta say, guys, too, I mean, obviously none of us have seen this Carnage movie yet. It's not, I don't think it's quite out yet. Maybe it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. Mm -hmm. But, uh... I'm not a hundred percent sold on Woody as Carnage. What do you guys think, Sean? What do you think? You're sort of familiar with Carnage. I mean, the thing is, he's got to be totally
2: fucking insane.
1: Yeah,
2: he's like this has to be a a in like a fully unhinged performance, and that is not the vibe at all in the trailer. He's he's very much like. I know what
1: you're doing, and I'm a scary serial killer. I want to do it too. It seems more like they've turned Carnage into like more of like the the plotting mastermind kind of villain, you know, like a yeah. Hannibal Lecter or something. When I feel yeah. like Carnage's energy is supposed to be a lot more manic. He's supposed to be more like a Charles Manson type. So yeah, I mean,
2: they're they're going for a face off. You know, he's the John Travolta too. Are Nicholas Cage, <laughs> which is Tom Hardy, uh, but that's wrong. They should have gotten a even more Nicholas Cagey Nicholas Cage.
1: They should have gotten somebody who can, who can go big. Who, who could go big? Who's the right? You know, he's not a big enough star, but I could totally imagine Evan Peters as Carnage, mm. uh, just based yeah. off of what he does on American Horror Story. Obviously, most people I'm, know. Him I for, mean, for quick, story. I
2: want a Paul Dano in there.
1: Yeah, I Paul Dano a... plays, plays crazy well. I want him to suck. Alright, but we'll see. Maybe someday when that ends up on streaming or just rental, we'll, we'll do <laughs> Venom Let There Be Carnage. I don't think I'm going to rush out to see it, but I will say, even though I didn't love this movie, it did make me sort of interested in seeing where they're going to go with the sequel. Um, see, yeah, I kind of liked it. Uh, i give. I give it two and a half on Letterboxd see you gave it 2 and Sean you gave it 3 So we're all kind of, we're close yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, I'm glad that I saw it So now that I, I know what the deal is with Venom
2: I know Yeah and It's going to be interesting to see if they do Start Branching into the MCU with these Side movies
1: It's going to be tough to tie in the tone of Venom With the tone of these Spider-Man movies
0: Hmm <laughs>
1: Uh, hopefully there's just not that much venom screen time in there. Well and, know, and it's so.
2: also like how do you reckon with it's like every every Marvel movie now is about like uh, Thanos erased half of life on the planet and then Iron Man and the Hulk brought them back. Yeah uh, And like it's <laughs> is that gonna happen and let there be carnage? Like Is is Tom Hardy going to get dusted and then come back And it's five years later Eh,
1: There might be a casual mention of it Somewhere That will be tricky though But I don't know Maybe maybe it'll be Maybe it'll be fun To see Venom in the Sinister Six With all those other great villains Uh, Which means it's time For me to go on to Villains Wiki you guys because Sean did like five goofs already (laughs) this is a segment I like to call John's Rose. God I love being a bad guy Guys, it was kind of hard to choose who to do this week. There's multiple Venom Villains Wiki pages and a Venom Hero page. So I guess I'll just do Riot. I mean, he is the villain of this film. Though I did want to bring up on Venom's Villains Wiki page, his type of villain is on and off again.
0: <laughs> like sometimes
1: he's bad, sometimes he's good. Uh, but let's do Riot, guys. We're talking about Riot. He is an evildoer. Full name, Riot Symbiote. Could have just said Riot. Uh, Alias, Riot. Team leader. I guess that's what Venom calls him at some point. That's what this says. And, of course, Carlton Drake, that being his host origin venom the movie i'm sure he's in the comics didn't you say he was in the comics john
2: riot is in the comics as a separate character okay he's one of the five that drake has okay for
1: so somebody fucked up here um occupation alien symbiote and leader of the symbiotes power slash skills Whew. okay here we go high intelligence shape-shifting biological assimilation advanced strength advanced durability advanced speed advanced dexterity advanced agility, superhuman senses, regenerative healing factor, ability to generate tendrils, appendages, and weapons using its own body mass, biokinesis, possessing humans without having to bond with them, and elasticity. (laughs) You say
2: biokinesis?
1: I sure did.
2: That the ability to move living things?
1: I don't know. I don't know what biokinesis is. Let me do a quick Google for biokinesis The unique power To manipulate the life forces and energies Of uh, Another (laughs) Yeah, pretty Mm. much what you said Uh, I mean If they say so, if it's in Villains Wiki It's gotta be true, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that's the rule uh, Riot's hobbies are swapping One human host after another (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean it's the one thing he does guess <laughs> that's his hobby goals bring the symbiote race to earth so that he can enslave and kill all of humanity for them to conquer with the help of Drake and kill both Eddie Brock and Venom for stopping his work all failed He's, a f- he's I think he's the real loser <laughs> Venom thinks he's a loser but I think Riot's a loser Crimes, attempted genocide, mass murder, including child murder, terrorism, kidnapping, possession, conspiracy, attempted cannibalism, and, and property damage. God, I hate that damn property damage. It comes up with it's so America. many of these villains. A problem. Now, there, this comes to the type of villain, and I usually let you guys guess, but I just feel like the chances of you guessing this are. It's, you're not going to guess. It's impossible. There's, there's, there's two big words. Two mm-hmm. very big words. Smart guy words.
2: Is one of them symbiote
0: or symbiotic? No. no. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to just tell you guys? Sure. Um, well, Sean can guess because he's he's got a big brain.
2: <laughs> we just want some big words. So, egomaniacal and...
0: Mastermind, what happened? So really thought outside the box on that one. <laughs> it's like what we guess every time. <laughs> it's mastermind. Those are you two know, big words. Yeah, sure,
1: I think I think we even looked it up. I think even MegaMind isn't a mastermind. <laughs> uh, no, he's of course a genocidal supremacist. Well. Oh. Hey, isn't there a villain in X-Men named Mastermind? Do you think sure. he's a mastermind on Villains Wiki?
0: <laughs> I just want someone to be a mastermind. <laughs> God damn it.
1: Alright All right, guys, I'm gonna look up the character Mastermind. On Wikipedia,
2: the the regular Wikipedia, Mastermind has a pretty good picture where he's just holding a bunch of dollar bills and he's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> i love money money money
1: money 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 damn of course the here let me look up let me there, because there might be multiple entries for mastermind isn't mastermind in x2 he's like the guy he's like confined to a wheelchair they make him uh, striker's <gasps> oh, son
2: yeah. striker's sad son I think that was, as a little girl in Professor X's mind
1: I think that was their version of, of Mastermind what's so hard about looking at Mastermind is when you try to look him up there's like 20 other villains named Mastermind <laughs> it's a good villain name and he's like the one villain who doesn't have fucking stats oh my god we're never gonna find someone who's a Mastermind oh well can always keep dreaming <laughs> Um, who knows? Maybe our next episode will have a mastermind. So I think this is our last episode before we're going into our whole month of just doing new movies. Is that right? That's
0: right!
1: And what's first up? The many saints of new work. That's right. That's going to be exciting, because I'm, I'm cramming The Sopranos. I think I got like seven left, but I got time. I'm going to do it. I'm going to cram so hard. So I'm going to be super fresh for that one. And then you're going to go back to the past. Yeah, that'll be fun. And I know the movie's already gotten some uh, pretty decent reviews. It's got like an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. And uh, it seems like the consensus has been like, yeah, this is like a good episode of The Sopranos. So I'm like, oh, perfect. That'll be great.
2: Yeah, like uh, the I think the the strongest negative feedback I've seen so far is like if you've never seen any of the Sopranos, <laughs> it's not going to mean as much to you.
1: That's but what if you want to watch that one first because uh, chronologically, <laughs> it takes place Ooh. before the rest of the show.
2: Mm. I feel like that's always a bad idea. People are always promoting this idea of just watch everything in chronological order, regardless of how it's released and. It never sounds good. Like, if you were going to get started on the Marvel movies, would you really want to watch like the first Captain America movie and then Captain Marvel in that order?
1: I mean, that's or, like not- the
2: first Captain America movie and then all of Agent Carter and then Captain Marvel. All
1: of well, now when you throw that in they get now I definitely don't want to do it. It's like, no, um, you want to watch Iron Man. Yeah, you want to watch them in the order they they made them. Um. I don't know. We'll see how we feel about that. Um, and you can all check it out by going to wildtheplease.com uh-huh. or Dot com. or anywhere where you can find podcasts, have a podcast, wherever. Yeah. Uh, you know, leave us a comment if you like. No one ever does, but I we would appreciate it. That's for sure. Mm. And uh, we'll see you next time rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. <laughs> I got that and turn the wind,
0: momentum, and I'm
1: not going with him. Never gonna slow
0: up in him, ready to stand. and he's him. Taking his time, I'm to get him. They ain't gonna know
1: what hit him when, when they get hit, people dumping I got that A trailer, turn the momentum, and I'm not going with him. Never gonna slow up in him, ready to stand.
2: and he's him.